It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Any other questions, guys? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 641 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, January 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, including the four teams in the conference championships this coming weekend, the Titans, Chiefs, Packers and 49ers, make sure you're checking out all of those corresponding lockdown shows to get ready for championship weekend. If you are a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies, maybe check out Locked On Grizzlies with Mark King. That was uh, a really fun game last night where John Morant absolutely went off, was what, like 10 of 11 from the field, 3 of 4 from downtown, calling out James Harden. He's awesome, and Mark King has you covered with lots of John Morant talk over there. So lots of stuff on the network for Raptors fans, non-Raptors fans, basketball fans, non-basketball fans alike. Find the shows you want to support on whatever podcast platforms you use, and then subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Helps with rankings, helps with egos so thank you in advance for doing that all right on today's show i am continuing my slow release of some of the episodes that i did for my patreon podcast primos pasta and ross last year it you know kind of petered out because as soon as i started the patreon page i got busy and didn't have time to post anymore so that you know ultimately kind of killed the patreon podcast but there's lots of good stuff there and i thought a lot of it is good enough that most people should be able to hear it and it shouldn't just be for the people who subscribe to the patreon page i appreciate those people People deeply, but I'm no longer asking for your money. So I'm going to put this thing out and, and start releasing these while the schedule's a little bit slow here. And anytime there's a couple off days in the future, I'll probably start releasing episodes. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, today, it's an episode with Joe Wolfond, our pal from The Score. And we talked a lot about Mike James, and in particular, the 2005-2006 season for Mike James, obviously that season where he averaged 20 points a game and was on a mission to do so, then got paid by the Minnesota Timberwolves and never really reached the same heights he did with the Raptors. We also talked extensively about the all-timer press conference media scrum that Mike James did near the end of the season that year when he was being criticized for the amount of shots he was taking as he was on his quest for 20 points a game. This was really fun. It's probably the best presser anyone has done in Raptors history. That maybe even includes Masai Ujiri's Believe in Your City, Believe in Yourself speech. It's that good. So we're going to do this in two parts. It's a pretty long episode, about 70 minutes total. So I'll split it up into two as Joe Wolfon and I talk all about Mike James. So I hope you enjoy it. We'll get to that in just a second. First, should probably hit on a couple bits of news and notes. Uh, Marcus All is going to play against the OKC Thunder on Wednesday night. That's great. Really excited to see him back in the lineup. I'm not sure whether he's going to start or not. I'm sure there'll be a minutes restriction like with Pascal Siakam and Norman Powell. So keep an eye out for that, I suppose. And I guess we'll wait and see up dates before game time, but very excited to see Gasol back. Now they're just down Fred Van Vliet, which is great, and hopefully they can get back to health and get on a bit of a run here as the schedule eases up quite a bit. 
Also, the Raptors have waived Shamari Pons, who was one of their two-way players in addition to O'Shea Brissett, and reports from Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks. Go listen to Locked On Hawks. Brad's great. Uh, Brad reported last night that Paul Watson is going to be signed to that extra two-way spot for the Raptors to replace Shamari Pons. That's uh, that's fun. Paul Watson has been a really nice story this season for Raptors 905. He got a 10-day deal with the Atlanta Hawks, which was pretty cool. Uh, four-year player from Fresno State. He's like a wing, kind of a, a beefy wing. He's he's got a lot of th- sort of thickness to to his frame and stuff like that. Sort of like OG style built, where he's probably a three, but could probably play the four a little bit. He's a pretty good shooter. He's been incredibly efficient this season for Raptors 905. I called the game that the 905 played against Greensboro on December 28th, and going into that game, Paul Watson had a true shooting percentage over 70% on a pretty high usage. So uh, I, I would expect he's probably going to spend most of his time with the 905. It, it doesn't really seem like there's going to be room on the roster once they get healthy here and I think this is probably just a way to sort of kick the can down the road a little bit with their two-way guys if they want to convert one or the other whether it's Watson or Brissett probably give some more time to maybe see some Malcolm Miller run whether it's with the 905 or with the Raptors just to see for sure if Malcolm Miller is someone they want to keep around long term I feel like Brissett probably has an inside track on getting converted to an NBA deal by the season's end just because of the nice work he's put in, Uh, but he's probably pretty close. I think Blake Murphy said yesterday that by his sort of unofficial tracker, O'Shea Brissett's at about the low 30s in terms of days spent with the Raptors, and obviously with a two-way player, only 45 days are allowed with the NBA team between practices and games and all that stuff. So we're getting pretty close to the end of Brissett's rope. I would imagine with the guys getting healthy, we're probably going to see both two ways with the 905 quite a bit here. Watson, you know, while he's a talented player, probably doesn't really fit in with the glut the Raptors have on the wings and in the front court. So I would imagine he's not going to get a ton of run with the team, barring, you know, injuries going forward. And it's just, I think, probably a nice way to give him a bit of of an extra payday. He was really good for the team this season, has kind of earned it. I know there was some, you know, questions from people last night about, oh, why not Devin Robinson? Why not some of these other guys? Why not Tyler Ennis to get that two-way spot? Uh, I think, I mean, first of all, Ennis isn't even eligible as a guy who's played more than four years. You know, Watson is probably a little bit more talented than both of those guys. We kind of know, I think, what Devin Robinson and Tyler Ennis are as just players. I mean, they've both gotten an NBA run and not been terribly impressive. And I think Watson is a little bit more of an untapped sort of thing. So I think that's probably the thinking there. And there doesn't have to be that much thinking behind it. It's a two-way player who's probably not going to play very much with the team. So I would not be all that worried about the the loss of pawns or what the implications are for other guys on the roster right now. I think this is kind of just a way to kick the can down the road a little bit and then, you know, get a different look at a different guy as opposed to pawn would kind of proven that he wasn't really anything special, uh, to be frank. I mean, his, his shooting splits were terrible down in the G League. He never really, he came off the bench a little bit for the 905 and didn't really offer a whole lot in the way of scoring punch and efficiency and those things that you want to see from a scoring guard. So I'm not uh, I don't think anyone's going to lose sleep over Shamari Pons being cut and uh, excited to see Paul Watson back with an out of five. He was really good. He, I think he was the player of the game. He was the guy we interviewed after the game for that Greensboro game I called. So I uh, I look forward to seeing more Paul Watson and, and having him back in Mississauga. So keep an eye out for that. Paul Watson probably going to be signed to a two-way. I don't think as of recording right now it's been officially announced, but it's likely to come very soon. All right, that's enough news and notes. Let's get to the conversation now with myself and Joe Wolfond as we dive deep into Mike James and all of the wonderfulness that that season in 0506 provided for Raptors fans. 
obviously a very bad season for the Raptors, all told. I think they won 27 games that season, but uh, that Mike James thing is sort of in the lore now as one of those weird one-season explosions that, again, didn't have much in the way of positive outcomes for the Raptors, but it was a pretty enjoyable and fun and weird thing that at the time, and Mike James was a hell of a quote, as we get to in the conversation with Joe. So here it is, myself, Joe Wolfon, talking about Mike James, part one of our conversation. Part two will drop on Friday, and so we'll get to that in one second, but first, I want to tell you about Echelon. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in shape is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, students, first responders, elite athletes, people like me who are doughy and round and not any of those things. Whatever your activity level, it's going to work for you and you're going to be able to get into the best shape of your life. And with the daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You're going to love Echelon, but if you don't, and you're not 100% satisfied, we'll give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A, all one word, to learn about their limited-time free Apple iPad offer and complete details of that exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A, echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Mike James is going to be a topic of conversation, I'm sure, a lot on this podcast, but it seems fitting and smart to get the big thing, the 2005-2006 quest to average 20 points a game out of the way and joining me on today's podcast one of the co-hosts of pound the rock at, at the score a, a wonderful writer of basketball and tennis and other things at the score it's joe wolf how's it going buddy it's going great man uh i've been uh, been waiting for this for a long time so um <laughs> I, I couldn't be more excited this is the podcast you were born to make <laughs> indeed yeah i think i really feel like i've been preparing for this for the last 12 years of my life so <laughs> Uh, so, for people who don't know, and I think there are people who don't really know about Mike James, because I do think there is sort of a wave of new Raptors fans over the last five years who didn't quite latch on during the years in which Mike James was a thing, for good reason, and are more sort of recent fans, the We the North era, if you will. So, Mike James might be something of a mystery, and there are some questions, like, we had a question from a listener who said they didn't know anything about Mike James. There was a question, uh, or a Reddit thread that I found, entitled, Can Someone Please Explain Mike James? And we're going to do those things on today's podcast. We're just going to kind of go all the way through it, and hopefully 
it's good. Hopefully, it enlightens you a little bit as to what the hell happened with Mike James's career because it's uh, it's truly a marvel. And 0506 is the standout year. So, th- just consider this for a second. Mike James played. Oh God, it's so hard to count his seasons on Basketball Reference because he played for one team per year. Um, he played like 13 years in the league, 01 to 2014. And he had one season in which he averaged 20 points a game. It was this season. The next highest output he had over the course of a season was the 0405 season, in which he averaged 11.8, played 25 minutes. For the Raptors, he played 37 minutes over 79 games, started all of them, 20 points, uh, 20.3 points, 5.8 assists, 3.3 boards, shot 44% on 4.8 three-point tries a game. Like Objectively a good statistical season, but the Raptors were awful this year. This is the year that they ended up with the number one pick, and took Andrea Bragnani the following year, and Mike James went elsewhere to do other things. But uh, I guess we should start with how it started with Mike James and the Raptors, Joe. He was traded for just before the start of the 05-06 season, and Rafer Alston went the other way to Houston in order to acquire him. Do you remember this trade happening? Do you remember your reaction at the time? Um, I have like a vague memory of it happening, and I remember being like uh, pretty excited about it, but I mean, like I guess probably closer to a different I feel like they traded Rafer because like him and Sam Mitchell had had a fist fight like in the tunnel <laughs> after one game in 0405 um and I didn't know that much about Mike James at the time except like he was he was like a bench guy on that 0304 uh Pistons championship team mm-hmm. um and then he'd had like a pretty good season like split between uh Milwaukee and Houston I think the season before so I I don't know. I, I don't like. There wasn't that much excitement around the Raptors at the time, so uh, this wasn't like the kind of move that was really like revving up the fan base. Um, I just uh, like the, this to me was like probably one of the weirdest seasons in Raptors history. It's like the weirdest one that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that I kind of was like mildly intrigued, and and that was how I went into that season. Yeah, the thing with Mike James, that like a fun fact, is that because the trade happened so close to the regular season, he's not even featured uh, in any former NBA Live or NBA 2K video game as a Raptor, which is kind of fun. That's kind of the, the time frame we're talking about here. It was pretty close to the season. And I, I think I was kind of bummed because I liked Rafer a lot. And yeah, there was obviously issues with him and Sam Mitchell, but like Rafer was really fun, and he was the and one guy, and he was skipped to my loo. And I also kind of appreciated him because he was an original like ten ten day guy with the Raptors, who ended up becoming a lot more in his second stint with the team. So I kind of appreciated him for that. But boy, am I glad that trade happened now because we get to do this. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. Are you dying? Uh, yeah, we we definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Okay. I'm, I'm all okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm just like getting over a bit of a cold. So okay, fair um, enough. I, I think the the internet's a little spotty as well, so the the cough sounded more harrowing than it probably was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. Um, so I guess anyway. let's yeah let, let's get into the season itself. So essentially, Mike James starts the year, and he's like high usage, I suppose, but not like crazy high usage he's like he's a big part of the offense he's starting every game obviously but it's still without a doubt Chris Bosch's team and then I don't know what happens around the new year it's like January 1st the Raptors are like 8 and 22 they're horrendous and it's almost like Mike James realizes oh hey uh it's a contract year for me this team is going nowhere 
I'm averaging like 15 points a game. I can average 20 a game and get paid and trick some team into paying me. And then he did that, which full respect to him for doing that. But it really came at the uh, the expense of the team being any good. Um, do you remember just sort of the watching this season and seeing like the switch flip for Mike James and how like you reacted to his final 35, 40, 45 games? All right, first, I gotta, like, push back a little bit on what you said, because I don't think that his, like, decision to monopolize the offense or, like, go and try and average 20 points a game came at the expense of the team being any good. Like, this team was not going to be good ever. Fair. And um, I feel like that's, that's, like, an important point to keep in mind, because (laughs) to me, there's been, like, this revisionist history where, like, Mike James was this villain who, like, destroyed the 2005-06 season (laughs) by... Uh, cannibalizing like the rest of the Raptors offense and that's simply not true like um, like uh, Morris Peterson averaged like 14 field goal attempts per game for this team like, <laughs> um, you know it, like just look up and down this roster I mean it was like really uh, a team that was going nowhere in the first place so I don't think that that was really the case and you know to that point I, I do kind of remember to me there was like a game he started off the season like kind of met and it was like even earlier on than that it was like maybe in November they played a game against uh, the um, dearly departed Seattle Supersonics and, and dropped like 35 points on them Yeah, and that was sort of when I started to like take notice and be like wow this guy like he can really get buckets um, and it just sort of like continued from there like every so often he would just like have a huge scoring game and then they, those games started to become like more and more consistent and he started to you know call his own number more and more frequently Um <laughs> And, yeah, over the course of the year, it kind of just became the Mike James show. Like, Bosch was obviously there. Like, Bosch was an all-star that season, I think, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big story that year. Charlie Villanueva was a rookie. He dropped 48 points in a game that year. What um, a weird fucking season. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think this was, like, the, the last year that the team wore purple as well. <laughs> um, and Jose Calderon was a rookie that year. Um, so, you know, this Mike James' theory was, like, the first... Uh, point guard that Jose Calderon managed to supplant in Toronto, which people kind of forget about. Um, but yeah, I just think I, I just sort of like remember uh, coming to the realization that uh, that Mike James could absolutely get buckets, and that I was gonna like want to tune into every game to see what he did. Fair enough. So yeah, I, I agree. I don't think Mike James taking over the team and by the end of the season leading the team in field goals attempted, despite Chris Bosh having a significant edge by the time it was January 1st. Like, I don't think that derailed any sort of promise they had. They were 8-22 and when this all kind of started, and so I, I get it. And he averaged, he went from averaging like 15 a game to 20.1. He, like, he was insane. Like, he, he just took all of the shots. He averaged like 17 shots a game in that time, and so he was really efficient, but I do think... They they, did, they weren't helped by Mike James. They didn't win extra games, really, because of Mike James. I mean, this dude oversaw, as, like, the, the main guy in the offense, he oversaw losing streaks of seven and ten games over the course of, like, a month and a half. Like, this... Okay, all like, right, but... They but, were, like, they were bad know. not because of him, but, like, it didn't... It, he didn't help, I guess. But I'm not, like, holding it against him. It was a bad... It was a lost year, and I totally respect the the thing he did. I, I have no problems with it. I just... I don't think it helped them win extra games, is, I guess, my point. What what um, do you think that the Raptors' offense ranked in the NBA that season? Oh, that's a good question. I should have pulled that up. What 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 was? It? Is it like top five? Fifth, fifth in the league. <laughs> so you know you can't you can't put the Mike James chucking 
like the, the team was bad because they were 29th in defense that year. Like they were a horrendous defensive team. Um, the offense was quite healthy. Um, and like you said, like Mike James, yeah, he was putting up a lot of shots, but he was doing it on like ultra high efficiency. Um, so, you know, I think, look, he was not a good defender, obviously. He was certainly culpable in that. And he might have been the worst defender probably... on the team, really. He yeah. was real bad. Yeah. No, dude. I know. He was very bad, for sure. Um, so if you want to blame him for that, then like I'm all like I'm all for it. Um, he, he was he was a big culprit, as big as anybody. Um, but you know if 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 you want to say that like because he was he was chucking that the team's offense cratered and that's why the team was bad, I'm not really here for it because the team's offense was great. They were great. Um, and maybe there's like a ripple effect where just like the, you know, his teammates were like so upset with him for just like. <laughs> never sharing the ball that that you know had a compounding effect on their defense and like their psyche uh and the general morale of the squad but um he was making that offense go and that offense was you know quite quite a good offense so i will say 0.0 offensive blocks plus minus from that season which is surprising yeah. considering the efficiency <laughs> but i mean he had a lot of games where he shot 5 of 25 or 9 of 22 or mm-hmm. something else absurd like that. Like there, Yes, he was very efficient comparatively, but there were a lot of games where he also shot them out of it as well. And where, again, sorry, like, where, where are you seeing that box plus minus stat, though? I had it for... Uh, I wrote it down when I did my all-time ranking. I put Mike James 62, by the way, and I just have it in the stats here. Uh, it was on uh, ESPN, I'm pretty sure. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Um, on, on basketball reference, it has it at, at 4.8, so okay. I don't know, there's some discrepancy there. but I, I'm liable to make mistakes, I could be wrong there, so, but, yeah, it, it, I, I don't want to get the, I don't want people to get the impression that I don't like what Mike James did, because I absolutely love what Mike James did, I think it's so cool, I think the season in which it happened, like, what the hell else was there to even root for, he, like, I like that he did it, I just don't think it was ultimately helping the team win extra games and ultimately like it worked out they ended up getting the one number one pick and you can argue with the pick they made and that worked out great it worked out awesome sure but um like i don't think i would rather a guy help them become that you know lottery winning team as opposed to like actually tangibly winning games while also doing i I think the just the way in which he went about it it was it's very pioneering i suppose like it it was a team in which nothing good was going to happen, so he was like, all right, there's an opportunity for me here to convince some team, whether it's this Raptors team or some other one, to pay me a bunch of money this summer, and I'm not. it's not happening at the expense of a good team. It's not like I'm taking over a team that's going to win 41 games and win a 7 seed. Like, I appreciate that he waited till his opportunity. Like, it's not like he did this on the, on the Pistons, right? It's not like he had the opportunity to do that, but still, like, I appreciate the... The pioneering spirit with which he took over this Raptors team. I, I don't want people to think I don't think this is a good thing because I do think it was inherently a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, we can. I'm sure we will over the course of this pod, but like, just go through all the like strange things that happened this season. But like, um, they started up year one and fifteen. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty early on in that year, they have that game against the Nets where uh, Mo Peterson gets like tossed from the game for like jokingly slapping him in the face and then Vince hits the game winning three at the buzzer and Jason Kidd jumps on his face like there were like we, we retraded for Antonio Davis later that year yeah uh, there were like all manner of strange things happening this year and I just gotta say like you know there was there was always a reason to watch them regardless even though it was like pretty brutal at times like it was 
pure entertainment value. And like for a bad team, I feel like that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, we were going through a couple of your old tweets, uh, or you sent me a <laughs> screenshot of a couple of your old tweets, uh, and I, I just wanted to go through a couple of these because okay. these are good. Um, the first one is Mike James was proto Dame Lillard. <laughs> Maybe this is a question uh, that we should be saving for later in the podcast, but would Mike James be good in today's NBA? Like, what what would his value be, this version of Mike James? Not, like, the rest of where he was, like, a bench dude who he got some right. buckets sometimes. Like, 2005-06 Mike James, averaging 19 shots a game or whatever the hell. Would he be considered a valuable player in today's NBA? Would he be more appreciated than he was in his time? Or would he be looked at as just, like, a dude, like, why are you... Jordan, you're small Jordan Clarkson. Like what? You'd be the guy. The Jordan, it's Jordan Clarkson time. Quote Jordan Clarkson. Like that would be. It would be about Mike James today, I think. But what, what, where do you think Mike James would fit in the hierarchy of NBA point guards today? Well, let's just say you know Jordan Clarkson shot forty four percent from three on like five three point attempts per game. Mm-hmm. I think you know he would probably be thought of a lot more highly than he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think. Like, I don't know if Mike James would be considered good in today's NBA, but I think there would be, like, he would be a little bit more celebrated for what he was doing. Like, again, like, pretty high volume um, on those three-point attempts, like, extremely high efficiency, and a lot of them were coming off the dribble as well. Like, he he did not have a pretty jump shot by any means. Like, he (laughs) shot it up over his head. Like, it was really, like, (laughs) ugly as sin, but... um, But he could get it to go in the hole. Like, it was, you know, as Mike James famously said, he knew how to put the ball in the hole at a very high rate. Uh, <laughs> like, um, and I think, um, you know, look, if you, if you look back, like he was uh, among NBA point guards that year, he was fifth in true shooting percentage. He was, I think, sixth in PDR. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, yes, he was a chucker, but I kind of feel like chucking is like a little bit more in vogue these days. Like if you're a guy who can chuck and like hit 44% of your threes, then by all means. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, I really think he kind of just missed out on being part of, like, the like the, the NBA blog craze. I think, like, had he come along, like, two or three years later, I bet there's a lot of free Darko stuff about him. I bet he becomes sort of a cult hero. You know, I mean, Jamal Crawford is, like, the ultimate chucker, and he is adored universally. And maybe he's, like, a nicer person than Mike James was, because Mike James seemed, like, maybe kind of a prick. But, like, the the style of player, I think, is definitely more romanticized, because there's not that many guys like that anymore, right? Everyone is so sort of sandwiched into a role and sort of restrained by 
over coaching. Like this would never happen on a team with Brad Stevens, and that's right. a bummer. That that's like a, a, a like Terry Rozier has it within him to be Mike James. I just don't think that's ever going to happen. And there, are, I think, of a lot of players like that who their inner Mike James is being sort of suppressed by the overcoached sort of efficiency crazed NBA we're in today, and we're losing something. Uh, is it worth it? Is the basketball better than it ever has been? Sure, but I don't know if it's entirely worth losing characters like 0506 Mike James. Um, I think he'd be, like, I mean, he'd be really good on, like, the Magic. A team that doesn't have a point guard, put him there? Like, that, oh, yeah. that would be fantastic. I, I would mess with that extremely hard. I don't know if he'd be proto-Dame Lillard. <laughs> yeah, listen, maybe I, I went I went a little bit far there. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to scream crazy shit from the rooftops to get people to pay attention. Well, let me pull up his, uh, his playoff numbers. Although I'm not sure he made the playoffs particularly often. I apologize. I should have all of these stuff. But this, yeah, he made the playoffs three times. Uh, 4 3 with Detroit. Played 22 games. Didn't play very much. Uh, also made with Houston in 4 5 And then the Hornets where he barely played. Just 28 minutes over four games in 7 8 His career playoff shooting percentage was... Come on here. Uh, he shot 28.6% from... That's eh, so pretty much like Dame Lillard. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Except he has a ring. So, yeah. You know. With Houston, uh, in seven games in 4 5 he played 171 minutes. So, pretty big part of the offense. He was 0-9 from three in uh, in the playoffs. Rough rough stuff for our guy. And he was 29-62 from the field. I don't know what happened to his three-point shooting. Obviously, he hit his stride the next season with the Raptors, but... Um, yeah, very Dame Lillard number. So maybe that comparison is apt. So good job on that, Joe. Um, <laughs> do you have a singular? Do you have a singular game about the, from that season that that kind of stands out to you? Because for me, it is kind of hard to decipher them all. Because at the end of the season, they were all the same shit, right? It was him taking twenty shots or twenty five shots or thirty shots. Probably scoring a bunch of points, probably putting up a bunch of assists, even though it was a loss. Like, what is the, it? All kind of blends together for me. Do you have an individual game? The big bummer in researching for this podcast is I can't find any full games of Mike James, which is extremely disappointing. Yeah, there's not a ton of footage out there. Um, I mean, it's weird to say, but really, like the game that I remember best is the Kobe 81 point game. Yeah. And the reason for that is like the Raptors were up by 15 at halftime of the game. <laughs> And Mike James had 25 points in the first half. Like, Mm -hmm. he was absolutely going off. And um, obviously, you know, we remember it for different reasons now. But, like, at the time, like, things were going swimmingly uh, at the start of that game. And then kind of all went to hell. But, uh, you know, sometimes I just have to remind people when they talk about that Kobe 81-point game. I'm like, you know, like, Mike James had 25 in the first half. (laughs) um, Yeah. But, Mike James finished yeah, that game, like, yeah, 26 points, 10 assists, 10 of 15 shooting, 6 of 8 from 3, an 81.9 true shooting percentage. And of all the Raptors involved in allowing Kobe Bryant to score 81 points, I feel like Mike James is probably the least culpable because he was just yeah. on Smush Parker the whole time. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure he locked his ass down. <laughs> Parker was like 5 of 11, so that that's good for Smush, I suppose, but... Yeah, yeah. It, I, I want to like get one of those custom T-shirts where it has like the eighty-one point nine is greater than eighty-one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my next project. Is that available, or did, or did you just no, make a no, T-shirt? No, no, no. This is just like my okay. brainchild that I came up with right okay. now. Well, it's a good thing this is only the premium show. There won't be enough people out there to steal it. So, <laughs> right. oh, that's um, oh, please make that shirt. That's so good. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so that's the one that stands out to you then. I think so. I mean, like I can go through the game log and see if like there's anyone like other ones that kind of like at least uh, definitely off the top of my head. That's the one where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember <laughs> that game with perfect clarity. <laughs> I mean, there is the one, the game that maybe we should get to this now. Oh five oh six the maybe the best sound definitely the best soundbite of that season. This is not the zero 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 season. I don't believe. I think it's the year before. Um, so that's there's no contender for that. Really. The, the best soundbite from that season comes from Mike James, following a game I believe against the New Orleans Oklahoma City Hornets. Mike James plays yes. 47 minutes. He goes five of 25 for uh, 15 points. He has 10 assists, three of nine shooting, and this is kind of where calls I think begin. This this is in the middle of a 10 game losing streak. It, it's horrendous at this point. Like the the team is spiral. They only have one more win left in them this entire season, and it's spiraling out of control. And Mike James is fully in. I'm averaging 20 points a game mode, and I think he's pretty close at this point. And he gets asked, I guess, about his ball hoggery and his hero ballness, and he goes on a seven minute rant. I think he's asked like four questions in this, maybe. He goes on an enormous rant about how, you know what, I, I'm not sorry at all about what I'm doing. Well, let's just get to it now. We're going to go through all seven minutes of this. The Mike James is upset YouTube video. It's the best bit footage we have of Mike James as a Raptor, without a doubt. And let's just get to it now. We'll, I'll pause it and we can discuss as we go through it. But here it is, Mike James... On April 3rd, 2006, after going 5 of 25 against the Hornets in a 47-minute game where he, I think they went to overtime, still 47 minutes is pretty much the norm for him at this point in the season, too, because he's just playing everything. Um, so here it is. Mike James is upset. Funny thing is this. Everyone is so quick to talk about my shooting, but no one is quick to talk about how over like the, maybe the last five games, even though my scoring has still been the same, I've been averaging over 10 assists a game. And so, you know, I can't concern myself with all I am is trying to be a leader. All I am is trying to work hard every day. I don't care who critiques me or who tells me I'm not a point guard. You know what? I'm sorry I'm not the league's quote-unquote, you know, typical point guard. I'm sorry that I know how to put the ball in the hole at a very high at a very high rate. And I'm also sorry that I can still get over 10 assists while I'm doing it. The shit-eating grit he has, what he says, and I'm also sorry I can get over 10 assists that I can do. Oh, man, it's just incredible. Like, that line, like, I'm sorry that I know how to put the ball in the hole at a very high rate, like, that is, like, that is seared into my memory. Like, that comes up in casual conversation between me and friends sometimes. Like, it's just so inspired. I can't believe I forgot that this existed. Like, I have yeah, combed through the stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I... I guess I, I've never been one to like really care about post game press conference or anything. Like, I, don't, I don't even attend them half the time when I'm covering the team because they're not really useful. But my God, this is useful and wonderful. And I don't see any lies. Like at this point, he's averaging, he's doing like the Grievous Vasquez thing where he's like leading the league in assists over the course of like however long. This, I guess they're losing every game, but he's averaging right. 10 assists a game. I think he has. Let me look at the box, the, the game log here. How many games in a row does he have with double digit? Like he, over the course of this part of the season. So let's start with March 12th, which I guess is where the losing streak begins. 
Oh, no, sorry. It's a little later than that. But, like, March is kind of where he really hits his stride as Mike James. He is, like, games of 11 assists, 10 assists, 12, 10, 10. The game we're talking about, the one against the Hornets on the second, this was his fourth straight game of having 10 assists. Like, he was dishing dimes. Like, you can't argue with that. And, yes, his shooting was bad. The, the games ahead of, before this, he goes 5 of 16, 9 of 22, 11 of 25, and then 5 of 25. So the shooting's bad, of course, but... I can't argue with the assist argument that he's putting out there. And whether or not this helps winning basketball, probably not. But, like, there's no lie in what he's saying right now. Let's continue. <laughs> it's a fine line, uh, being a point guard, though, in, in, in how you conduct yourself on the court. Isn't it? It's just being a leader. It's just take control of the team. Just playing. You know, I'm not a point. I'm not a, I'm not a typical point guard. I'm a playmaker. I make plays. You know, that's just my thing. I make plays. When the game is on the line, I'm, going, I'm not afraid to take the shot. If I miss five to ten in a row, I'm not afraid to take 15 and 20 because I believe in my heart as hard as I work. I prepare myself for game situation because I work hard every day. And so because I work hard, they say you miss 100% of the shots you take. And so Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think you probably meant to say you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes. Um, a famous quote that is attributed to Wayne Gretzky, I believe. And but, Michael uh, Scott. It's just funny, like, coming after a game in which he missed 80% of the shots he did take. Um, like, man. Too, too perfect. It's outstanding. Anyway, let's carry on. So if I get an open shot in the Florida office, I'm going to take it. But at the same time, I still got to keep my teammates happy. I still got to move the ball, and I still got to control the flow of the game. Okay, so the keeping the teammates happy thing. Do you think the Raptors, like, his teammates were at all stoked about this? I mean, I really, like, I I would love to know. Like, I, you know, I would love to go back and ask those guys. But I don't remember at the time there being any, like, and, you know, the media landscape was different then. You know, yeah. not everything that happened in the locker room was kind of, like, leaked out to reporters. So, yeah. And there are, like, three microphones um, right in front of Mike James right now. Like, there's not many people covering yeah. the team at this point either. Yeah, so it was, you know, it was like a different kind of NBA, and, and I don't know if this means anything, but I definitely don't remember anything, like, coming out about, like, teammates being unhappy with, like, you know, how Mike James was controlling the offense. Um, but I could be totally off. Like, there's, you know, a 27-55 team, like, I feel like for the most part, nobody in that locker room is going to be particularly ecstatic. So mm-hmm. there was, you know, it was de- definitely possible that there was some some grumbling going on um but i don't remember that being like a huge story i feel like it was more so um whether it was like sam mitchell kind of like making some underhanded comments or whether it was totally just like the media being like yo this is (laughs) insane man you can't keep doing this um i feel like and, and to your point about uh you know whether mike james would be celebrated more in like today's nba it's like funny hearing everybody talk about this idea of the, like the pure point guard, which nobody mm. really talks about anymore. Like, I feel like there's sort of been a paradigm shift about what a point guard can be. And nobody's asking anybody questions. Like nobody, nobody's asking Steph Curry about like whether he's a pure point guard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's kind not of insane. Compare, that... Not to compare the two, but also totally to compare. The two. <laughs> <laughs> Mike James is the forefather of all of today's best shooter, shooting point guards. I mean, yeah. Kyle Lowry, Dame, Steph, these guys all exist because of Mike James. It is kind of fucking wild that point guards just used to be, like, the kind of dumpy dude who defended and just kind of carried the ball up and threw one pass and that was it. Like, that that was point guards for a long... Like, Derek Fisher is, like, the, the proto-point guard before this, right? 
It's weird. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I know think. Steve Nash kind of changed the game a little bit too, but like, just even like Alvin Williams and like just point guards were never supposed to be like the the cat. Like it was always wings, right? Who were eventually the guys you got it to to get buckets or bigs, like just post up. Whereas right. point guards were just like a, a vehicle to bring the ball up the court without turning it over. And then maybe throwing an assist to a shooter or something. throwing one pass to a guy, like an entry pass or something like that. That's kind of what their real sort of purpose was. And that Mike James saw that and, and just uh, and laughed in that concept's face. <laughs> um, yeah, true. So if like people were mad, if Sam Mitchell was mad, maybe don't play him 48 minutes a game because that's what you yeah, fucking did. <laughs> And that's why I'm thinking, like, I don't think that, like, there was really, like, anybody was too upset about this because, yeah, yeah, Sam Mitchell totally had the power. Like, you know, Jose Calderon's right there on the bench. Like, if you want a pure point guard, like, you absolutely have it. Yeah, the, so from this March 12th on, I I don't know why I'm having March 12th as, like, the cutoff date. It's just, it's broken up into one of the, the quarters on basketball references game log. 44 minutes, 34, 41, 41, 40, 44, 35, 44, 47, 44, 47, 39, 47, 40. Exactly 48. (laughs) He played every minute of a game. 41, 38, 41, and then 33 in the final game of the season. Like... And the biggest yeah. loss of all those games was the final game where he only played 33 minutes. So if you're talking, if you want to go on the argument that Mike James was good for the team, that's that's your, your point you go to right there because the last game of a season definitely means a lot. Um, but yeah, the, let's just continue with the thing. <laughs> Here we go. All right. You know, when people start, you know, this, this sort of line of questioning sort of comes in, you feel like you're... You know, you act, you know what? I'm talking like you're getting a little defensive about this. No, it's, it's just that I'm just, I'm just, you know, my thing is this right here. Whatever, whoever is looking for, however, why ever, whatever they're looking for, you know what I'm saying? I hope they find it. That's all I say. If it's not me, I hope they find whatever they're looking for. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, I can't please everyone, and I'm not trying to please everyone. All I can do is come out on the court and play as hard as I possibly can. If my shot ain't falling, if I'm, you know, if if I make shots now, everybody say, okay, he's making shots. If I miss the shot, everybody say, okay, he's missing shots. But at the end of the day, you know, I make plays. Don't look at one game and judge me on, you know, we played how many games this year and how consistent I've been overall throughout it all. And so my thing is, even in the even in the um, last couple of games, my goal has truly just been, you know, trying to average over ten assists a game. And if that's not being a point guard, I don't know what is. And so. <laughs> I don't care what people say about me. Let them talk. You know what I mean? They can say whatever. But my thing is, whatever they're looking for, I hope they find it. Who's they in this? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess, like, the Raptors organization, the media, the fans. Like, uh, I don't know, man. He was just rolling at this point. Yeah, no, no kidding. It's... The assist thing is very... I wonder if that's how he kind of kept the rest of the team okay with it. I wonder if the team was just okay with him going for the money. I wonder if he, like had a, a talk with people. It was like, hey, guys, so we're bad. We have 25 wins. Uh, I'm going to try to average this 20 and get the bag from somebody. It might not be here, and I'm not going to be around next year probably to ruin the offense or over overtake the offense again next year. But, yeah, it's I, I do think uh, maybe that sort of played into the team not being too upset about it. But, like, I don't see but any also, lies like, in what he's saying. Like, 
there's so few other players on the team who I think would be like even justified in being upset and being like I deserve to be getting these shots that that you're taking instead. Like aside from Bosch, yeah, you know, there's like Mo Pete, there's Villanueva, and then it's like Calderon, Anthony Davis, Matt Bonner, Joey Graham, Pop So, <laughs> like Arujo. I mean, Derek Martin. Like, yeah, I don't think these guys are like piping up and being like, man, like I need to be getting more shots, bro. Derek, Derek Martin needs his eight shots a game. <laughs> <laughs> Derek yeah, Martin oh, and, and like speaking of weird things that happened this season, man. Like this was also the season that Derek Martin hit that three to like extend that like incredible. Oh, no, that was the next season. The, the incredibly obscure like streak. That was of, like, the Raptors. that was the the following season before they got good in 06, 07. It was like oh, the was first really? month of that oh. year, and they were like five and ten or something, and things oh, felt really, really dark. But that was the turnaround of the season. It's okay. <laughs> the fact that Derek yeah. Martin was able to get a second year with the Raptors, despite being just shadowed and, and, and overshadowed by Mike James the entire year is very impressive. <laughs> well, they wanted a pure point guard, man. They wanted that dumpy, <laughs> that dumpy pure point guard. There's no dumpier pure point guard than Derek Martin. All right, so on that note, we will leave the conversation with myself and Joe Wolfond about Mike James and his one wonderful, weird, bizarre season with the Raptors, and we'll finish it up on Friday as we continue to go through that just remarkable uh, <laughs> media scrum from Mike James. Just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So that's going to come on Friday. Thursday on the show, I'm going to talk about the Thunder game. Guest TBD. We might have Vivek Jacob if his wisdom teeth are healed enough in time. Get better soon, buddy. Uh, if not, might be solo. Might be with another guest. We'll see, but we'll talk about the Thunder game. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, review this podcast and all the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network that you like and want to support. It's very much appreciated when you do that. So thank you in advance for taking the very small amount of time that requires. And that will do it. Thank Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Enjoy the game against the Thunder. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.